Welcome to the Music Mindfully Podcast with your host, Aliyah Elliott. This is a place where musicians come to get inspired, to conquer their fears, to overcome self-doubt, and learn to love their music and themselves a little more every day. Let's make music mindfully. Hello and welcome back, my friends. I hope that you have been enjoying an absolutely beautiful summer. I uh, can't believe that at the time of recording, we are already into August, which is absolutely wild. So here we are. We are on day three of our book club. Now, if you've been following along, we are then you know that we are reading Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And if you haven't listened to the other two preceding episodes about the book, then I highly recommend you go back and listen from the beginning. I'm giving you guys two weeks to read each chapter. And actually, Enchantment was so long and so full of so many incredible goodies uh, that we decided we would spend two episodes chatting about this particular chapter. So we're going to dive right on in today. Um, So for those of you who are reading, we finished up last time. We're on page 58 and we read all the way to the end of the enchantment section. Now in the last episode, we were talking about ideas and how ideas are sort of roaming the earth is at least what Elizabeth Gilbert likes to think. And I really like this imagery of ideas sort of floating around looking for the right person to bring them into fruition. But what is super, super cool um, in terms of these ideas floating around is the idea of ownership over these ideas. How many times have you started a project and then decided, eh, Maybe this isn't for me. Or maybe you started something and then you got distracted and something else more exciting came up. So you shifted gears. I know that I have done that a lot. And including in this business, in Music Mindfully, I have shifted gears a whole bunch of times as I have been searching and settling into my purpose, finding my calling. And I've had lots of really fun ideas come up that I went for and decided, you know, this isn't really what is lighting me on fire anymore. I need to change. Now, what's a super, super, super cool thing about how Elizabeth Gilbert views ideas is that, and I quote, she believes That inspiration will always try its best to work with you, but if you are not ready or available, it may indeed choose to leave you and search for a different human collaborator. I love this. I absolutely love this. Because, at least for myself, I know that when I shift gears, sometimes I feel guilty for leaving behind the idea that I initially was working on. Has this ever happened to you? We feel that in life and we are conditioned to believe that if we start something, we have to finish it. Otherwise, we're considered a quitter. 
and quitters are lazy and quitters never get anywhere. But what if it just wasn't supposed to be your path? Is that really quitting? Or can we move forwards without the guilt and pursue something else? Because that inspiration is there for a reason. We get inspired and is meant to push us forward on our path, on our journey to become who we are meant to be and serve the world in the way that we are meant to serve the world. Now, inspiration may leave, but we may still find motivation. We may still find discipline. And these things are very important. I am not saying that you should give up on an idea or give up on a dream because you are no longer feeling inspired. We all have those days where even in the very best job in our dream lives, where things can sometimes feel like a slog and that's okay. That is part of being human and it is those signals that we need to listen to to allow ourselves rest so that we are not burning ourselves out. But if you are working on something that used to really light you up and you show up day in and day out and you feel like your work that used to bring you joy is now a grind, it's a chore, it's a struggle to get through, you can't see the value, you can't see the vision anymore, then maybe it's time to shift gears, to be open and ready for a new idea. And the idea, the project you were working on, that creation that you had been laboring towards, it's not for naught. It's not that that will never happen. It's not that that idea will never, ever, ever come into fruition. You just may not be the person to bring it into its physical being. And that is okay. Elizabeth Gilbert goes on to talk about multiple discovery. Multiple discovery is when more than one person is working on the same idea at the same time. Maybe this has happened to you. Maybe you were like, hey, I've got this great idea. I'm going to start this ensemble in my city. And a couple of weeks later, you notice that there are other posters from someone else who is trying to start the same or a very similar ensemble in your location. So this happens because ideas have one goal. Ideas energetically have one goal and that goal is to be fulfilled. So sometimes an idea will be founded by more than one person. 
in her book, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about how often two people in history have come to the same scientific conclusion at the same time and they didn't even know about one another. They were working on the exact same thing at the same time. They had no idea that there was anyone else who was looking and studying their topic. And yet, there was someone else who was working on it at the same time, and they found the same conclusions in the same period. How wild is that? How wild is that? And I love this idea when it comes to creativity and the arts and for us as business owners too. It is so easy to think that originality, being the one and only person to do X, Y, or Z is the measure that is going to allow us to step into greater success. But that's not what it's about. How many pizza joints are there in your city? Maybe pizza isn't a really big thing where you live, and that's okay too. But think about it. Where I live, I am 10 minutes driving distance away from at least a dozen pizza places. That's wild. Yeah, they all have their own flavor. They all have their own special offerings. But at the end of the day, they're all pizza places. They all offer the same thing and are available at the same time. And that is what makes us unique. When I decided that I was going to create the I am affirmation cards for musicians that you can find on my Etsy shop, my dad said, well, what's stopping anyone else from creating a deck of affirmation cards for musicians? Like, do you have a patent on this? Is there something you should do to protect yourself from someone else coming and deciding to do the same thing? Isn't that such a lack-minded way of looking at the world? Sorry, Dad. (laughs) But what I told him is that would be amazing. That would be amazing if someone else decided to create affirmation cards for musicians too, because then it meant that more people would be getting those positive words, more people would have these tools, and there would be more options for people. Maybe they don't love the watercolor backgrounds that I chose. Or maybe they don't like the font. I don't know. Or maybe they decide that they want the cards to have a little bit longer of a description or no description at all. That is how multiple discovery works. And because of this, Elizabeth Gilbert writes... There is no theft. There is no ownership of ideas. There is no tragedy. There is no problem. There is no time or space where inspiration comes from and also no competition, no ego, or limitations. There is only stubbornness of the idea itself, refusing to stop searching until it has found an equally stubborn collaborator 
or multiple collaborators, as the case might be. So work with that stubbornness. Work with it as openly and trustingly and diligently as you can. Work with all your heart because I promise if you show up for your work day after day after day after day, you might just get lucky enough for some random morning to burst right into bloom. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that notion that our ideas are not ours and that they may be shared by multiple people, but that does not mean that there is less value to the work that you do if you are not the only one working upon it. And working upon it is a really important idea as well. She writes again on page 66, most of her writing career, er, sorry, most of my writing life consists of nothing more than unglamorous, disciplined labor. I sit at my desk and I work like a farmer and that's how it gets done. Most of it is not fairy dust in the least. Remember when I was talking about those days where you feel like work is a slog? Where you don't feel inspired? That's what she's talking about. So we have to be able to find the difference between passion that is propelling us forwards, even though the actual work, the day-to-day tasks may not be incredibly fun all of the time, but still having that vision, still having that connection to the larger goal. And those times when we lose that connection. Because, she writes again, sometimes it is fairy dust. Sometimes we are working and it just feels like we're in this magical vortex and things are just coming to us and through us and then back out of us into the world. And it is so beautiful and it is so easy and things happen like rapid fire and it is just so incredible. But that is not the always. That is not an everyday feeling. And that is okay. It is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful feeling. And when you have it, you want to run with it as far as you possibly can. But sometimes working on an idea and feeling inspired just means sitting at your desk and hitting record on a podcast episode. Or maybe it means shutting yourself in your practice room and getting to work. Or maybe it means analyzing your piece. It can mean so many things. And all of it is important. Your output to the world is important. And there should be nothing that will stop you from taking the next step towards your ultimate vision. But so often, and I quote, artists are burdened with the label of genius. I think they lose the ability to take themselves lightly or to create freely. And she goes on to talk about Harper Lee, 
She's the author of To Kill a Mockingbird. And she writes, In 1962, when Lee was asked how she felt about the possibility of ever writing another book, she replied, I'm scared. She also said, When you're at the top, there's only one way to go. Because Lee never elaborated more definitively on her situation, we will never know why this wildly successful author didn't go on to write dozens more books in her lifetime. But I wonder if perhaps she had become pinned beneath the boulder of her own reputation. Maybe it all got too heavy, too freighted with responsibility, and her artistry died of fear, or worse, self-competition. Continuing on, as for having reached the top, with only one way to go from there, Lee had a point. No? I mean, if you cannot repeat a once-in-a-lifetime miracle, if you can never again reach the top, then why bother creating at all? Well, I can actually speak about this predicament from personal experience because I myself was once at the top, with a book that sat on the bestseller list for more than three years. I can't tell you how many people said to me during those years, how are you ever going to top that? They'd speak of my great good fortune as though it were a curse, not a blessing, and would speculate about how terrified I must feel at the prospect of not being able to reach such phenomenal heights again. But such thinking assumes there is a top. And that reaching the top and staying there is the only motive one has to create. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that an absolutely beautiful story and a beautiful notion that there is no top? So when we have an idea and we're creating and creating and creating and working towards our goal, our vision, what if there were no limits? Yes, that means that We'll never know when we get there. (laughs) We'll never know when we hit that top. But what if when we feel like we're at the top, there's still so much more that we can do? And what if when we are at the top and we feel like we've got it all figured out, if there is still space to be a beginner again? If there is still space to make mistakes, if there's still space to explore our own creativity and to create. That feeling that you get when you are creating something, I'm sure you all know it, is such a magical and empowering feeling. So why would we allow our own fears about being too good or not good enough or not comparing to what we'd done previously? Why would we let those things stop us from continuing to discover all that we are capable of? It is so, so beautiful what you can do when you feel enchanted by your work, when you feel that draw to creativity, and when you allow yourself 
to explore each and every idea that comes your way, that brings you inspiration and that enchants your mind. I'm so excited to dive into the next section of this book with you in just two more weeks. If you're reading along, the next section is called Permission. And I cannot wait to chat with you about this very soon. Of course, feel free to reach out to me at Music Mindfully on Instagram or find me on Facebook. And let's chat if you have any questions about the book, if you want to have a further discussion. I love love connecting with each and every one of my listeners. So please feel free to reach out and we will chat again very, very soon. Until then, go and create. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Music Mindfully podcast. Did you have an aha moment? Did something really resonate with you? Be sure to let me know. Screenshot this episode, share it on social media, and don't forget to tag me at Music Mindfully. I would also love to chat with you, so feel free to hop on into my DMs. I cannot wait to connect with you on the next episode of the Music Mindfully podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss out. Until then, go make music mindfully.